forward to our gospel service and sing together 593. There is a land of pure delight where saints and mortal reign. <coughs> Infinite day excludes the night and pleasures banish pain. We're feeding on the living bread. It's the men who ask the question and the women who give the answer. Is that right? Okay, so we'll, we'll try to remember that on line five and also line six.
Let's all pray together. Our God and Father, we're so glad that we can come to the house of God and we can come now to the very presence of the Lord in this meeting. We present ourselves before the Lord in worship, in praise, in adoration. We come to glory in Christ. We think of how Paul said, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we want the cross to be our boast. We want to lift Christ high in hymns that we sing, in prayer that we offer, and in the preached word. How we bless thee tonight when we come to drink at the fountainhead, which is Jesus Christ himself, that we never thirst again. We think often of the woman of Samaria who came to Jacob's well that day at the ninth hour midday when the sun was at its midian come to draw water but she got a different kind of water that day that water that jesus spoke about that would be a well of water inside her bursting forth into eternal life and she never thirsted again we know that and that's our joyous experience too we came those of us who know the lord tonight we came to christ we came just as we were. We were weary. We were weak. We were sinful. We were hell-deserving. But we came to Him. And as we turn from our sin and turn to Him in faith, Lord, we in that sense drank at the fountain and we have not thirsted since. Lord, we praise Thee that there is a great supply in Your Word. There are streams of living water to be found in Christ. And Lord, we pray that Thou wilt help us to feed every day upon the finest of the wheat and to enjoy the Word and to be blessed in our souls. And there's coming that day, as we have been singing, that we'll never part again. Lord, we know there's many farewells that are said in this life and there are parting times. Sometimes it's in uh, this earth where people part the one from the other for different reasons. Maybe it's the moving of a house or maybe it's some kind of disagreement that they've had and there are these sad partings the one with the other. Then we know, Lord, when the hand of death comes to our families that there are sad parting times when loved ones and friends are taken to glory or right into eternity. But there's coming a day and we can sing this with certainty and truth when we'll never part again. How we bless thee for the great reunion day when the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord and not in, only with him but with one another. Lord, we're able to look forward to a time when we'll talk it over in the sweet by and by and we'll be able to spend, Lord, the countless ages together in the presence of the Lord and with all the blood-bought saints of God. Very conscious, Lord, as we think about these things, that there are those who have never drank at the fountain and they're not converted tonight, and they're still in their sin, and they're going down the road that leads to hell. Father, we feel for them. They're blind, and in their sin, the devil would keep them that way. For the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. But Father, Thou art the one who opens eyes. 
And the Lord Jesus Christ especially was sent into the world to open the eyes of the blind. And he did not, that not only physically, but he does it spiritually. And Lord, we're praying tonight very definitely for the opening of blinded eyes, for the absolute defeat of the devil, for the overthrow of his kingdom. Lord, the devil is that, that terrorist like Hamas who wants death and destruction. But Jesus Christ is the life-giving Savior who wants to bestow eternal life to those who believe. Father, we pray that there will be those who will believe tonight and will come to Christ. And so, Lord, we look to Thee. We need Your help as ever. We need grace and power. We need the Holy Spirit. And we just cry, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on this people, on this congregation. And may Your name be glorified as we come together, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 238 reminds us that we're passing onward. We're quickly passing, but I ask thee whether bound is it to the many mansions where eternal rest is found. Passing onward, passing onward, tell me, sinner, whether bound. From memory, there's a few high notes in this hymn, so we look to you to get up to them as best as you can. Let's sing it with joy in our hearts.
Good to see you returning to the house of God tonight. And at this stage, we want to welcome everyone that's here and welcome those that are on the internet joining us for this gospel meeting tonight. Good to see you. Looking around the church, I'm trying to uh, see if Tommy McConaughey's here, but he may not be. I just heard this evening that Tommy has had a very significant birthday. Uh, today, we believe it is. And if that's the case, that's maybe why he's not here. He's getting very, very old. Uh, so, uh, family members, friends, pass it on. It's not a secret. It's all there on the internet for everyone to see on social media. We rejoice with them reaching a number that is significant. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention that number tonight in the sermon. I'm going to mention a couple of numbers, and you have to try and guess which one it is. Any high refreshments will be served after tonight's meeting. You're welcome to join us in the fellowship area for some tea and good things to eat. The Hebron Tots meet tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, and Tuesday night is the Youth Challenge at 7. Remember us on Tuesday and Wednesday in the Will of God. We plan to be in Moldovanoa visiting poor Roma families. A lot of things happening, as I said this morning, and people are in need, and it's just going over quickly and assessing the situation. And Pastor Emmanuel uh, will be joining us. He's never been there before, but he'll c come with us and spend those couple of days. And we intend to meet with other pastors as well, just to encourage them. Thursday night is a deputation service at eight o'clock. It's our missionary meeting. We always have the missionary meeting on the last Thursday of the month. Vision for Kids will be represented and will be speaking on Thursday night at the meeting, and special prayer will be offered for missionary work and revival. Friday morning, in the will of God, we'll be in Gary Duff Primary School. Look forward to that as we take their assembly, I think as about 10 to 9 on Friday morning. Friday evening, the Youth Fellowship meets here at 8 o'clock, and then Presbytery is in Ballygowan also on Friday night. In the morning of Saturday, we have the open air in the center of the town at 11. We encourage you to come and stand with us. As we said this morning, the Lord hath need of you, and there's so many ways in which he needs you, and one of those ways is even to come and stand and be part of that open air testimony that is made to the Lord's great name. And all the other aspects of God's work that you and I could be involved in. Remember the prayer meeting next Lord's Day, 8 o'clock, the Lord has need of you there too, and the Sunday school, 10.30, Bible class, quarter to 11, as this new theme is taken up by Mervyn for the month of December, songs for the season, hymns associated with Christ's birth, and the first one that he'll deal with is the angels, hallelujah. Worship service is 12 noon, and we do have Romanian visitors coming to stay for a little while, so they'll be with us next Lord's Day, Luci and his family. Uh, will be singing, Graziella as well, at both of the services next Lord's Day. In the afternoon, for those who can go to the memorial service for the life and legacy of Dr. Bill Woods, that will take place at Martyrs Memorial at 3.30. As we said <coughs> last week, if you want to bring your lunch to the church, if that's helpful, just to get a quick bite to eat and then, then uh, go to Belfast, that's, that's perfectly in order. We'll make sure that the uh, boiler is on and there's, there's at least hot water there to get tea or coffee. We are providing transport for those who need it, and uh, that will be next Lord's Day. We'll give you the time of departure at the morning service. 
make sure your name is on the list if you want to go on the bus. Gospel service, this really is the, the first uh, of the special meetings in December. It's family night, and uh, Lucci, of course, will be there and his family to take part, and I'll be preaching the Word of God at both services next Lord's Day, God willing. There'll be a time of singing and fellowship with the family, Lucci's family, uh, after the service next Sunday night for those that are able to stay for a little while. I should mention again, for those who haven't attended to putting their names on the Christmas dinner list, it's there at the table as you leave. It's in the Lodge Hotel on the 20th of December, and the usual kind of meal for a Christmas dinner, but you need to indicate what you need, so make sure you tick the right boxes. If you're a child or a young person, again, there is a, a menu for you to follow and uh, to put your name there beside the menu. We're asking you to pray for Friday the 8th of December, 12 noon schools, carol service here at the church when some of our schools are going to come in for a special meeting. And we're asking you to pray for the Missionary Weekend Convention next year. We say next year, but it's not that far away. It's in the matter of six or seven weeks or so from Friday the 12th to the Lord's Day, the 14th of January. The lovely book has been published, The Son of the Living God, and these are Bible notes in John's Gospel, and it's by Dr. Alan Kearns. We love the Lord's servant who was a past minister here and who is in the glory uh, with Christ, which is far better but his legacy in many ways lives on and, and certainly will in, in this little publication. The price is £6.95, and any proceeds will go to our Christian school. There is a supply at the door. Uh, you can take one, make sure at some stage you pay for it. People get books and they, they forget to pay for it, or maybe they don't forget. And if they don't forget, then they're just stealing it, you know. So... Uh, we want you to get the money in and for, for these books. That's everything that I need to say by way of announcement just now. We bring our tithes and offerings in. And remember, today is home mission. We sing together 596. Someday the silver cord will break, and I no more as now shall sing, but oh the joy when I shall wake within the palace of the king. This, this hymn, for me, personally, brings me back to the time when we were making the DVD for Dr. Bill Woods, and we were searching for this particular hymn, this music, when he was relating the story of Fred Orr, who went out to Brazil, and you remember the story, his wife didn't make it to the destination where they were going. She took a fever, and she died in Brazil, just outside the town of Labria, where she was buried. And they tried to keep them out, the missionaries out of that town for a long time, but they got in. And there's a very strong gospel work there now today. Someday, the silver cord will break, and it will break for us all. And uh, we will be at that moment in eternity. Think of the words, we'll keep our seats for the opening part.
Let's open our Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 19. My friend and colleague, the Reverend John Gray, is giving his testimony tonight in Tandragee. They meet a little bit earlier. Uh, their meeting is at 6.30, but he is ordained 30 years, I think, this time of the year, and it's his birthday today, so he's given his personal testimony tonight. We look back uh, over the course of time when he came to the church in Portadown. I hadn't started to go to the church that long whenever a mission was held on the Brownstown Road in Portadown. It was a tent that they put up, and the young John Gray, young teenager, uh, came to that mission, and that was the mission when he was converted to Christ. And so we became very good friends in the youth fellowship and serving the Lord together in Sunday school. We served the Lord in the doors as well, not only going on outreach on a Thursday night, the door-to-door visitation, but on a Saturday morning there was special visitation for the Sunday school. And that was just the mission on Saturday you're going out to invite children to come to hear God's Word at Sunday school. Those were tremendous days. There was a breath of God. There was a breath of revival among our young people and, in fact, the whole church. And I often remember the one special attendance of Sunday school. The attendance was always very good, but they made a special effort this particular Sunday. And everybody got a certificate that they were there. And there were 400 and 46 children at Sunday school. They need a lot of teachers, and they did have a lot of teachers. May those days come back again. With a little bit of hard work and much prayer, they can. I told you this morning of D.L. Moody, when he applied to be a Sunday school teacher, he was told there was no vacancies, but if you get your own class, and that's where he started, and by and by, hundreds of children were now coming the Sunday school work that he set up. And the Lord can do it. We look to him. I'm going to read from verse 31 of 2 Samuel 19. Barzillai, the Gileadite, came down from Rogelum and went over Jordan with the king to conduct him over Jordan. Now, Barzillai was a very aged man, even fourscore years old. And he provided the king of sustenance while he lay at Mahanaim, for he was a very great man. And the king said unto Barzillai, Come thou over with me, and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. And Barzillai said unto the king, How long have I to live, that I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem. I am this day fourscore years old, and can I discern between good and evil? Can my servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any more the voice of singing men and singing women? Wherefore then should thy servant be yet a burden unto my lord the king? My servant will go a little way over Jordan with the king, 
And why should the king recompense at me with such a reward? Let thy servant, I pray thee, turn back again, that I may die in mine own city and be buried by the grave of my father and of my mother. But behold, thy servant, Chinham, let him go over with my lord the king and do to him what shall seem good unto thee. And the king answered, Chimham shall go over with me, and I will do in him that which shall seem good unto thee. And whatsoever thou shalt require of me, that will I do for thee. And all the people went over Jordan, and when the king was come over, the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him, and he returned unto his own place. Then the king went unto Gilgal, and Chimham went on with him, and all the people of Judah conducted the king and also half of the people of Israel. We'll end the reading there at verse 40. Let's bow briefly just for a moment, please, as we seek the Lord. Our Father, we thank Thee for the infallible, inerrant, unchanging and unchangeable word of the living God. We thank Thee for its history. We know that it's true, every word that is written. We thank Thee for its prophecy, those things that will come to pass. We thank You for the blessing that Your word is when we read it privately and when we come to listen to it publicly. And tonight as we look at this passage, as we hear a question that is so important from the lips of an old man, Lord, we pray that you will settle our minds and hearts down into your presence and give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. And may this be a converting meeting. Lord, may souls come to, to see their need of a Savior. May this night the Spirit be pleased to work in many a heart, both here in the meeting and those that are listening in on the internet. Speak, Lord, and do a work that will be for eternity. We ask in Jesus' worthy and precious name. Amen. How long have I to live? And it's the question here that is asked in chapter 19 and verse 34 of Second Samuel, asked by a man called Barzillai. Barzillai was one of David's trusted friends and supporters in a time of great adversity. When so many had forsaken allegiance to the king and followed after Absalom, Barzillai remained true and faithful. He had been most kind to David in distress. Indeed, if Absalom had prevailed, it is likely that Barzillai would have suffered for his loyalty to David. But he had great respect for David, and he minded not the cost. He showed David hospitality, sending him and his army food and other necessities while David was a fugitive during Absalom's rebellion. After the victory, and God did give the victory over Absalom, Barzillai escorted David over the Jordan. And he was invited to become a member 
of the king's household and court in the city of Jerusalem. David said, Come thou over with me, and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. David wanted to return the kindness that had been shown to him. He, he desired to reward this man for his loyalty. He did not take for granted the sacrifice that was made and the danger that was faced. He wanted the pleasure of Barzillai's company and the benefit of his counsel. For we may suppose that Barzillai was a wise and a good man. But this man who had been so helpful and generous to David in his time of need, he declined the offer. And the excuse that he gave was really to do with his age. Look again at the words that we read in verse 34. He says, How long have I to live that I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem? I am this day fourscore years old. And then he speaks about his judgment not being what it once was and the infirmity of his own body. Can I discern between good and evil? Can my servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any more the voice of singing men and singing women? Wherefore then should thy servant be yet a burden unto my lord the king? Thy servant will go a little way over Jordan with the king, and why should the king's king recompense at me with such a reward? He would have been happy undoubtedly to be near the king, but he felt too old, really, to uproot his family and his native ties to go to Jerusalem. He felt unfit for the business of the court and perhaps a burden to the king rather than a help. There are so many things that we could note about this old man called Barzillai. He was a faithful man. We, we've seen that, his loyalty to King David. He was a liberal man, for in verse 32, he provided the king of sustenance while he lay at Mahanaim. And so he, whatever food David needed for himself and his army, here's the man that brought it to him, very liberal. And we see also in the same verse, he was a great man because the Bible tells us that he was a very great man. We know that he was a favored man. Verse 33, he gets this invitation from the king who favored him in this way, come thou over with me and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. And he was a loving man. I deduce that from what I read in verse 37 when he said, I, I pray thee turn back again that I may die in mine own city and be buried by the grave of my father and of my mother. But behold, thy servant Chimham, let him go over with my Lord. And he had a great love. We believe Chimham to be a son. And he had a great love for his son, and he wanted to see him doing well. He was also a blessed man. Blessed because of what we read in verse 39, because the king kissed Barzillai, blessed Barzillai, and then he returned home to his own place. He was a wise man. Verse 34, this is our text tonight, and I want you to see that what we read here is great wisdom. 
Barzillai said unto the king, How long have I to live, that I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem? You're asking why is this something that makes him wise? He's asking this question, how long have I to live? And he's wise because he's thinking about his departure from this life. He's thinking about death. He knew that his days were numbered. His time was short. And he hadn't long to go. Barzillai is a dying man, and he must think of that long journey, his removal out of the world. Talk of going to the court, says Barzillai, <coughs> not so. Let me go home and die in my own city. The grave is ready for me. Let me go and get ready for it. You know, it's a wise thing to consider death. Moses, in the 90th Psalm, he prayed, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And that is in the light of the fact that he discusses death and departure from this life. And he asked the Lord that he would be taught to number his days, how that his time was short, so that he might live out the remainder of his days with all wisdom. Our life, James reminds us in the New Testament, is just like a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away, and that is true. Our life is is like a shadow. It's one of the descriptions used by the patriarch Job. (coughs) And the shadow is seen when when the sun rises and casts the shadow of a building or a person or trees or whatever. But as the darkness falls, the shadow disappears, and our life will soon disappear. Or a hand breadth, it's not very wide, is how David described it on one occasion. My life is so short. And so the question of Barzillai is an inquiry that all of us should make. How long have I to live? Barzillai is thinking about an appointment that he must keep with his maker. And we must think about that appointment too. And so I want to think about our great appointment. And I think we have it here in the wise question of an old man. And let me say in the first place, it is a sure appointment. Barzillai had had no doubt whatsoever in his mind and heart that he was going to keep this appointment. He couldn't deny it. He had lived long enough to see family members and friends taken. His mother and father are dead. He wants, in fact, to be buried with them. And so death was something that was a stark reality. He realized that there was coming a moment when his body would yield up the ghost or the spirit. And that's what happens when you come to die. It was unavoidable. He may have been faithful. He may have been a liberal man, a great man, a favored man, a loving man, a blessed man, and a wise man, but that would not stop him dying. Barzillai, I must die. How long have I to live? And that question is really showing us that Barzillai was acknowledging, I'm going to die. Maybe die soon. 
There's not a man or a woman here who could deny this reality. The time is fixed. It was Job that says, I know that thou wilt bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living. I know that. And we can speak the words of the patriarch too. I know that one day I am going to die. Perhaps more than any other book, the one that bears the name Job speaks more frequently on this certainty. Uh, right from the opening chapter, those calamities that were overtaking Job's life that we read about in that chapter bring us to an awful tragedy that came to his family when all his children, ten of them, were wiped out in a, what some people would call a freak storm. A storm came and his children, ten of them, were all killed. And he speaks about the reality of death there. And he says, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job had been faced by this terrible, tragic situation in his family. As his affliction continued and, and pressed sore upon him, let us hear what Job has to say in verses 8 and 9 of chapter 6 of Job. Oh, that I might have my request, and that God would grant me the thing that I long for, even that it would please God to destroy me, that he would let loose his hand and cut me off. Sometimes a person can get to such depths in their life where they might be tempted to think like Job thought. All the tragedies that came, all the calamities that came, and then the breakdown of his health. And he just got to that place. Lord, I have a request. I want to die. I want my, my life to end. That's how the patriarch felt. And a question is asked in the opening verse of chapter 7. Is there not an appointed time to man upon the earth? Well, Job knew that there was an appointed time. And things deepened and worsened so that when you come to, for example, chapter 10, we, we read in verse 9, Remember, I beseech thee, that thou hast made me as the clay, and wilt thou bring me into the dust again? Verse 20 and 21, Are not my days few? Cease then, and let me alone, that I may take comfort a little before I go whence I shall not return, even to the land of darkness and the shadow of death. And if I can just draw your attention to another important chapter in the book of Job, which is chapter 14, he states here in the opening verses, man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not Verse 5, seeing his days are determined and the number of his months are with thee, thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. And then you come to verse 10 where Job says, but man dieth and wasteth away. Yea, man giveth up the ghost. And where is he? Well, the Bible makes it plain <clears throat> that such a day will overtake every child of Adam. Wherefore, as by one man, not one man being Adam, 
sin entered into the world, and death by sin, wherefore death passed upon all men. It's appointed, the Apostle Paul said, unto men once to die. And as Solomon took up the subject in Ecclesiastes 8, he states this in the 8th verse, There is no man that hath power over the Spirit to retain the Spirit, neither hath he power in the day of death. And there is no discharge in that war, neither shall wickedness deliver those that are given to it. So nobody has the power to retain the Spirit. When it comes to that moment in your life and mine, when God says this is your appointed day, this is the moment when you will depart this life, this is the day that has been decreed from all eternity for you to die, when God says your time is up on earth, there's nothing that we can do. There's not a doctor, there's not a surgeon, there's not a preacher, there's not any man, family member that loves you dearly can do anything to stop the breath leaving your body when that moment of departure decreed by God has come. Nobody has the power, the Bible tells us here tonight. I want to say to you, come out of your hiding place, wherever it is that you're hiding, and face this reality, face this certainty, that one day you must die. You're not going to live forever, even though you, you plan that way and you live that way. You will not. It's an awful thought, but it's real. Death will come to all. No one will escape. So it's a sure appointment. We can also see from the words of Barzillai that it was a soon appointment. Barzillai was 80 years old. The flame of his life had burned low to the ground, and he realized, as far as he was concerned, it was now just like a flicker, and it would soon go out. He would come to the place where he would say, my race is run. My time is finished. Barzillai had sense to know that he was going to die, and he was going to die soon. Even the oldest man gives himself a little longer. And when he has passed the 70 mark and even the 80 years, he still hugs on to life with tremendous tenacity as if he had just commenced it. But Barzillai knew better. He was wise. He was wise. And it is a wise thing to ponder these things. Life is brief for all. Soon, maybe sooner than we imagine, we shall go the way of all flesh. We shall enter into the portal of death. If you want to know how short life is, ponder the familiar statement of Moses in the 90th Psalm and verse 10, where he reminds us the days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be four score years yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. The days of our years, 70 years, maybe 80 years, maybe even longer, 90 years, and some have reached even to the 100 mark. Consider what the Bible tells us and consider it well and carefully. The answer to Barzillai's question, nobody knows. 
How long have I to live? He could not say for sure. Isaac said, I know not the day of my death. And when he said that, he was feeling his weakness. He was feeling his frailty. He did not believe he had many more years in this life. And so he wanted to bless his children as fathers would before their departure. We do know that he lived for many years after that. But he came to that place where he said, I know not the day of my death. And we certainly do not. And that's true for us all. Barzillai, I knew it was soon for him. It was near at hand. He had many days behind him, more days behind him than in front of him. He was already on what has been termed borrowed time. He would shortly take his journey into eternity, but at least he knew it. He was aware of it. He faced up to it. An old person should recognize, like Barzillai I did, that death is soon. A diseased person who's critically ill should also realize that maybe his days are short. An endangered person who is in the midst of danger, and we think of the wars that are going on in, in Ukraine and, and over in Israel, people that are there in the, the middle of danger, they should recognize that time is short. And a young person should know that death could be soon for them. You're young in this meeting, some of you. Some of you are just children. Some are teenagers. You're in your adolescence. Potentially, you have all life ahead of you. You might live to your 70. You might live even longer. But you're not guaranteed that. Death could be soon. We've been asking the church to to pray for that family up in Coleraine just a couple of weeks ago whose 15-year-old daughter was tragically killed in a car accident. She stepped out in front of a car and she died a short time later. Young people can die and therefore death could be soon. We can't measure the distance between us and the tomb. It's a step. Remember what David said? There's a step between me and death. And that step could be a long one, could be years, could be just months, weeks, days, hours, minutes. For all we know, but it's just a step. And for you and I, like it was for Barzillai, it could be soon. And then thirdly, <clears throat> it's a sad appointment. Barzillai was contemplating leaving this world. He had family. He had friends. He had servants. In fact, he tells David to take his son, Chimham, back to Jerusalem instead of him. Now, no one likes to leave this life. No one likes to die, at least go through the experience of death. Job wished to die, but that was because of the sore trial that he was in. But generally speaking, people love life, and we ought to love life because life is a gift from God. In Him we live and move and have our being. No doubt for the Christian, it's better to die. And we should contemplate that more often. Paul said it was gain. I think of what 
the apostle did write when he wrote to the church at Philippi in Philippines chapter 1, and it is a tremendous testimony that he makes here in verse 21 onwards. Let me just read a few verses to you. For to me to live is Christ. That's how you ought to be living, child of God. To live is Christ, the center of your life, the center of all you do. But he says, and to die is game. Better thing, even to die. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not, or I know not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. So, so Paul had this, this battle raging within his heart. He loved the Lord. He was a great preacher. He was a great missionary. He was mightily used of God in church planting and soul winning. But he was looking forward to being with the Lord, which is far better. That's what he said it was. And yet he knew that at that time in his life, it was more needful to stay because of the people of God that needed him. How long have I to live? To go to heaven surely is a wonderful thing. Paul speaks about it. To die, to be with the Lord is a wonderful thing. To be reunited with loved ones and friends who have gone on before, a wonderful thing. Uh, to meet the Old Testament and New Testament saints and those that have lived in church history, you know, the great heroes of the faith that we sometimes speak about that have lived in generations past, men and women that we've admired because of the life that they live for the glory of God. Wonderful thing to see them someday. How happy an event it will be. Yet even the Christian, let alone the unsaved, does not relish death because it is an enemy. The Bible says it's an enemy. It's your last enemy, but it is an enemy nonetheless. How long have I to live? For when that day arrives, it does mean sadness. Sadness for the Christian to leave the opportunities that we have in serving the Lord. Sadness to leave the prayer meetings where we have pleaded together as a company of God's people and the body of Christ for the, the glory of God and for the good of the people and for the souls of men. Sad to leave the, the fellowship of God's people. Of course, we go to be with the Lord, which, which is far better. Sadness for all who bid farewell to their nearest and their dearest on earth. You can just imagine the, the deathbed scene of a child of God. And though we know all is well, and that child of God is peace and knowing where he's going or where she's going, yet there, there is sadness saying goodbye to loved ones the last words that we speak, the final instructions that we give, promises that are made by those that are going to be left behind. A sad appointment. But just one little point to finish with, and it is a solemn appointment. Because death means eternity. Eternity. It means standing before God. It means the judgment. It means eventually our final destination. That's all right if you're a Christian. 
you know the Lord tonight. You're saved by grace, washed in the Redeemer's blood. Praise God as well with you. And as we've seen in the testimony of Paul, it is gain to go to heaven, to be with the Lord. I was speaking to a man just recently who was dying, and he said, I have no fear. And he's looking forward just to going out into eternity to heaven itself. But what of the unconverted? What of those that don't know the Lord? What shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel? Without Christ, you see, means outer darkness. It means weeping. It means everlasting punishment. It means hell. It means the lake of fire. It means torment forevermore. And so with that great solemnity surrounding you, I say to you, be wise. Be wise. Like Barzillai, I was wise and considered the fact I haven't long to go. The all-important consideration is, are you ready to die? Because quite frankly, nothing else matters in this life, and you are ready to go, and you have a right relationship with Christ, and you know him. How long have I to live? I don't know, but it may be soon, and I need to be ready. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the, the truths that we can glean from the story of Barzillai and David. And this question that he asks, that we should all ask, bringing us to contemplate the reality of death for us, that one day we must depart this life. And how needful, therefore, it is to be ready. Lord, there are those here with us tonight and joining us on the internet, and they're not ready not ready to meet the Lord, not ready to die, leave this life. Lord, we pray that even through this question of an old man, their heart will be stirred to consider matters that are eternally important. And may they see Christ, may they come to know him and trust in him and receive eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We ask this for his sake. Amen. Where will you spend eternity? It's the hymn 256. This question comes to you and me. Tell me what shall your answer be. Where will you spend eternity? Think of the words, please, as we sing.
Heavenly Father, you've challenged us even in the closing hymn. We've been brought to consider eternity. And this question, where will we be? Where will we spend eternity? Lord, we pray that men will sit up, pay attention, listen to the Lord's voice, and heed him and seek him. We thank you that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. May there be a calling tonight, and may salvation come to some needy soul. Dismiss us now in your fear and love, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.